If you talk to people in the auto industry, they'll tell you the future isn't gas, it's electric. EV technology has changed a lot in the past decade. If you think about how your cell phone has changed or your computer has changed in the past decade, EVs have changed at least that much, if not more. Last year, the sale of electric vehicles increased, while the sale of gas-powered cars was stagnant. So what's driving this change? One, it's smooth and quiet. Like, I didn't realize how much I hated engine noises until I drove this, and you don't have an engine noise. And two, it gets up and goes. Like, you can literally cut off anyone in the world and, <laughs> not, and not get an accident. On this episode of Connected, the AEP Employee Podcast, what you need to know about electric vehicles right now and how to decide if they're a smart choice for your next ride. I think what everyone needs to know about buying an electric car is that it's still a car, right? And so a lot of the same questions you'd ask yourself for any car purchase, you would ask yourself for an electric vehicle. Plus, I drive a Tesla Model S to see if it lives up to the hype. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bailey Coltice. In the next five years, the auto industry is on track to invest half a trillion dollars to make the transition to electric vehicles. They're making big changes, including turning some of their most popular models from gas guzzlers into electric powerhouses. For example, Ford's releasing an all-electric version of the F-150, and Chevy's doing the same with their popular Silverado pickup truck. It's starting to look like the time to buy an electric vehicle, or at least take some time to learn a little bit more about what's driving this growth. My curiosity led me to Adrian Janes. She's AEP's Electric Transportation Program Manager and an expert on electric vehicles. Electric vehicles are so fun to drive. After you've driven one and then you go back to a gasoline-powered vehicle, you kind of feel like you're going back in time. There are almost 40 models on the market that qualify as electric vehicles. They come in all shapes and sizes and at all different price points. Adrian said learning about the different types of electric vehicles was a good place to start our conversation. So when people think about electric vehicles, there's really three distinct types of cars that people frequently conflate into one. The first is a hybrid, and that's like the old Priuses that have been around for a long time. They cannot plug into the wall. They have a small battery that's recharged as the car slows down, and that battery just gives the engine a little bit of a boost and makes the car more efficient. The second type of vehicle is called a plug-in hybrid, and that is a car that you can plug in. It goes about 20 to 100 miles exclusively on electricity, and then it switches to running like a hybrid where the battery is charged off the kinetic energy and it runs primarily on gasoline, but the battery just gives it a bit of a boost and makes it more efficient. So a plug-in hybrid is something like the Chevy Volt that came out a few years ago. Toyota makes a RAV4 version, Audi makes several. There are a lot of makes and models of the plug-in hybrid on the market. The third type is an all-electric vehicle, and that's really you know where the bulk of my work is focused. Now, when we talk about all electric, there are quite a few on the market. That's, you know, Tesla, obviously all of their cars are all electric. There are really, there's too many to count. Being able to distinguish between the three types of vehicles is the first step to finding out what kind is right for you. I think what everyone needs to know about buying an electric car is that it's still a car, right? And so there's a lot of questions around it, but fundamentally it's still a car. And so a lot of the same questions you'd ask yourself for any car purchase, you would ask yourself for an electric vehicle. These are questions like, should I buy a new or used car? Or how much do I want to spend? But when you're buying an electric vehicle, you have to add a few more questions to the list. The two most important questions are, how many miles do you drive in a day? And do you have access to charging? The electric vehicle owners we talked to said filling up a tank is quicker than charging a battery. But they agreed that in the long run, charging their EV was easier and more convenient than filling up a tank. 
A big part of this ease and convenience was that they were able to charge the battery where they lived. Things also became easier once they figured out how charging fit in the schedule of their lives. And if charging didn't fit in that schedule, they had to get equipment that would allow them to charge faster. So eventually, I think electric vehicles will be good for everyone. But for where the market is right now, I think the types of people who can very easily look at an EV in their life are multi-car families. If you're a multi-car household and you live in a, a single family home where you you know park in a driveway and there's electrical in that garage, then you're probably a pretty good candidate for an EV. Now, if you don't fit that criteria, that doesn't mean that you're not a good candidate for an EV. It just means we might have a few barriers that you need to work through, like where are you going to charge? Because I think a lot of people think that they're going to rely on that public charging network. And that's kind of a visible signal to a lot of people when they start to see electric vehicle chargers going up around their town that EVs are a viable choice for them. But really what we find is about 80 to 90 percent of charging happens at home in the driveway. We can't talk about electric vehicles without talking about the cost. Most people will save money when it comes to fuel. It's cheaper to fully charge a dead battery back to life than it is to fill up an empty gas tank. And maintenance costs can be cheaper, but how much you save depends on the type of vehicle you have. There are a lot fewer moving parts on an electric vehicle, and so there's just a lot less to maintain. You don't need oil changes, you don't need spark plugs, there's no timing belts to break, and so you really can save a lot of money by switching to electric vehicles. Now keep in mind, a plug-in hybrid it's got sort of the best of both worlds where you can you know, travel a certain amount on gas, but you don't have to worry about the range of the battery because you've always got the gas there as a backup. However, a lot of the things I said about maintenance savings don't apply to a plug-in hybrid because they have the components both of an electric vehicle and of an internal combustion vehicle. So I say on those, you get the best of both worlds, but you also have kind of the worst of both worlds too in terms of the maintenance of the vehicle. On average, electric vehicles cost more to buy than their gas-powered counterparts. For example, a hybrid 2022 Toyota RAV4 is about $12,000 more than normal RAV4. But Adrian is optimistic about where those prices are headed. They have in the past been seen as primarily luxury cars, and they were. But electric vehicles are following the same path as many technologies. In the beginning, you know, cars themselves were only a luxury item that very few people could afford. Same with air conditioners and VCRs and computers. But now that cost is coming down, we think that kind of once we get past the chip shortages and all the supply chain constraints, that soon they'll be pretty close to evenly priced at the point of sale. There are some ways to make an electric vehicle more affordable. Federal tax cuts can be available, and so can some state and local level tax cuts. You just have to do some research to find the cash. There's also an option a lot of people don't think about, and that's to buy used. So there is quite a robust used electric vehicle market because the battery technology is changing so fast. One of the most common things people do is not purchase electric vehicles, but lease them. So after two years, they come off lease and then they go into the used market. Um, if you're looking for a first electric car and you don't want to spend a whole lot of money on it, a used EV can be a great option. This is what led me to my friends, Caitlin and Nick. Caitlin and I work together in CorpCom. Hi, Sloan. You weren't on the, on the rundown. I, yeah, you know. exactly. They bought a 2012 Tesla Model S four months ago. They'd been thinking about buying an electric vehicle for a while. And when one of their vehicles got totaled, they happened to find a great deal on that Tesla. So they took the jump. I think I lucked into this car. There's no reason why I should have gotten this car for the price I got it for when I bought it. And in such good shape and by an owner that had taken care of it. 
They were also a good fit for an electric vehicle. The Tesla is their second car, and Nick uses it to commute from their house in the suburbs to downtown Columbus. There's a charging station near his office, and they have one in their garage. This is 30 amps. I think I get like 17 miles per hour of charge when I'm plugged in here. So if, if I'm commuting to the office downtown and back, it takes two hours to recharge. That's all. Okay. Um, Going over to Caitlin and Nick's to talk about the car was also an opportunity for me to take it for a test drive. Before the drive, Nick showed me some of the features. And I've got to say, it's a pretty sleek car, and all of the power features are really cool. That was the right angle. I'll do it again. And this looks like a movie car when it does that. <laughs> so what are your thoughts so far? Do you like it? Love it. It's why, fun. Why do you like it? One, it's smooth and quiet. Like, I didn't realize how much I hated engine noises until I drove this, and you don't have an engine noise. And two, it gets up and goes. Like, you can literally cut off anyone in the world and, <laughs> not, and not get an accident. Even though this car is almost 10 years old, it looks and feels like a new car. Yeah. Uh, you want to get in? Yeah, let's get in. All the non-driving functions are controlled by a big touchscreen in the middle of the dashboard. It's like having two iPads pushed together. Whoa. So is it on? Do you even press a start button? It is, uh, technically the car is off. You can see it right there until you've put your foot on the brake pedal. If you put your foot on the brake pedal, it's on. And now it's just telling you to put your seatbelt on. Oh, okay. That's all that is. Because the car's on. So really, just the lights came on. It's ready to drive. Wow. Uh, okay, so it is in drive, and I just press the... Now you just press the gas. The it, gas? Won't, it doesn't have an auto creep. Oh, it doesn't? Uh-uh. Oh, wow, this is really... The smooth. first thing you notice about the car is it's quiet, especially if you're someone like me who's used to driving a gas-powered car with a large engine. The loudest part of the Tesla is the heating and cooling system. The only thing you hear outside of that are notification dings, things telling you to put your seatbelt on or that you left a door open. Another thing that you notice is that the Tesla, which is fully electric, feels different when you're driving. Just keep going straight. It'll take you around the block. Wow. Okay, so this is very smooth. Yeah. Oh, but it slows down really quick. It's called regenerative braking. It actually adds energy back into the battery by letting off the gas. Did you almost have to kind of change how you drive? Yes. You don't really use the brakes. You don't, you don't necessarily have to use the brakes all that often because it starts to brake for you. And it brakes really fast. It's very responsive. Yeah. It used to be worse. They did a software update back in December and it made it much smoother. You can get, just keep going down. Is it ever it's weird downhill. that you essentially give your car an update like you do your phone? It, it is a little bit, like it's ready for a software update now. It'll do it tonight on Wi-Fi at two in the morning. It is weird, but most of it, the only big change that I've seen from it is the braking. Mm -hmm. The rest of it's kind of software, like the, the UI for the um, maps changed a little bit. A lot of it's precision stuff that you don't really notice. They just push it out to you, and there's a what's in this release like it is in any other app in your app store. Okay, we're going up the hill, a pretty steep hill now, and really the only thing I hear is the tires on the road. Like, I didn't hear an engine rev or anything like that. Really just going.
Overall, Caitlin and Nick are happy about their decision to go electric. But if something happened to their other car right now, they'd still get a gas one because most of their family lives more than two hours away, which puts that out of range for most electric vehicles. And Nick agreed with Adrian. How much you drive plays a huge factor in the decision to buy an electric vehicle. Do you have any advice for someone? Like if I was buying one, because I mean, mean, this is really nice to drive. And I don't know, it gives me a little bit more confidence hearing that you and Caitlin are having a good experience. But like, what advice would you give me if I was going to buy an EV? Pay attention to the range. In a city like Columbus, something that has 70 or 80 miles of range really isn't that you have to think about the charge more than you would want to. The fact that this has a 200 mile range and I can charge it in a couple hours to full makes the world of difference. When I didn't have the the setup in my garage to fully charge the way that I have now, and I was just doing four miles per hour, I had to spend too much energy thinking about, can I drive my car right now? Am I going to run out of battery? Mm-hmm. So. Making sure that you understand the amount of miles that you would go through on a normal week and that you can charge efficiently and effectively so that you don't have to think about it. Like, the fact that Caitlin has to worry about gas for her car, I don't even, like, I don't think about the energy consumption of this car because I can just plug it in and I don't worry about it. But I have friends that have electric cars that only have like a 50 mile range Mm -hmm. and they're constantly running out of energy and worrying about it. Adrian's owned an electric vehicle for a few years and she's still happy with her purchase. They are just so much fun to drive. And so that's one of the reasons why anybody can drive electric because they're a blast. And once you've driven one, it's hard to go back. She also says if an electric vehicle isn't a good fit right now, don't rule them out forever. EV technology has changed a lot in the past decade. If you think about how your cell phone has changed or your computer has changed in the past decade, EVs have changed at least that much, if not more, in terms of just the technology of cars has changed in the last 10 years. You know, But the batteries and the performance of the batteries are really what have made huge leaps forward in the technology. So whereas 10 years ago, kind of 90 miles was the upper limit of what you were going to get on an electric vehicle. Uh, you know, now we're seeing, you know, 300 as a starting line with, you know, plans to go higher from there. Buying any type of vehicle is a big decision, and there are lots of things to consider. One thing Adrian hopes people will remember during this process is that if they're looking to buy an electric vehicle, there are people out there who can help. I think the other important thing that people often forget in the electric vehicle conversation is to call your utility. We're here to help you. AEP has a variety of programs in our different operating companies that are aimed at encouraging our customers to look at electric vehicles for the next vehicle purchase. So depending on where you are, uh, we may or may not have a robust program in your area, but we're working on it. And so again, we're excited to build these electric vehicle programs for our customers and for our employees. I'd like to thank Adrian for speaking with me for this episode. I'd also like to thank Nick and Caitlin for sharing their experience with me and letting me drive their Tesla. like this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. To do this, look for either the follow, subscribe, or add button in your podcast app. Thank you for listening and stay safe.